Blog Talk Radio. Challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is God in Country, the collision of faith and politics. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical Rev. Dr. Sean is a proud military veteran, former law enforcement officer, and founder of the internationally regarded Executive Protection Team. Through counseling, elite life coaching, and national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This series is biblically and politically engaged with the pedal to the metal. With today's edition of God in Country, here is host and author of the acclaimed yet controversial book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Welcome, 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 welcome to all warfighters, Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, Coast Guard, sheepdogs, uniformed, and clandestine services standing on the line for us. Thank you all, citizens, for joining us. Whether you've served in the military or otherwise, you're serving here at home. You're, you're a uh, keeper of the republic. If you don't know what that is, you're going to find out what that is today. Welcome back to our United States Marines uh, from the Tidewater area. They were just deployed and parts unknown out in the world for our good, for our benefit. Welcome to all Army Rangers and Ranger instructors listening in today all over the world. Rangers lead the way, and hello to the United States Navy SEALs listening around the world. Thank you for all your great messages, all of you. Thank you for your encouragement. I really appreciate it. Thank you for serving all of the services, clandestine, uniformed, and otherwise. Listen, while I'm at this microphone, I will not, will not allow our country to forget about you. That's just a fact. Won't do it. Not going to do it. Today's show, man, it's, it's awesome. Just awesome. And not because of me, because I don't think I have awesome shows. I don't think I don't think I'm awesome, but I I know for a fact today is an awesome show. So thank you very much. By the way, chat is open. I forget that quite often. Chat is open. If you have questions or anything like that, that's the place for it. Gold Star families, you're the fraternity nobody wants to join, but I want you to know we treasure you here. I stand with you. America, you know there's people in your own hometown, your own hometown. They've given their children, their spouses, their parents, their siblings in these wars that we're fighting. Make no mistake, we're fighting a war. We're fighting several wars. We're failing to fight several wars. What I want you to do, good citizens, is I want you to take every opportunity to look for them, the Gold Star families, pray for them, and then look for opportunities to serve serve them and serve with them. They're the real heroes. They're right in your hometown. And they're carrying on the tradition of heroism and love of country. Special shout out to our great Gold Star families all across the United States and volunteers at the Michael Strange Foundation. 
also at America's Mighty Warriors and Operation 300. I want to thank Charlie and Mary Ann Strange and the Hill Groups and Sean and Angie and all the other great volunteers at the Michael Strange Foundation. You are all patriots who put the U in the United States of America, the USA. You guys are awesome. Thank you to Debbie Lee for what you're doing, America's Mighty Warriors. I just saw you on television. Uh, the uh, the portraits, the fellow that does the portraits. Folks, if you ever get a chance, look that up. Um, he did a portrait of Mark Allen Lee, and um, really tremendous, really honestly tremendous. Phenomenal story. And Debbie, what you're doing all across America is absolutely amazing. The Home for Heroes that you, you're doing there in Arizona, it's absolutely impressive what you're doing. I'm proud of you, proud of you, sister. Sister in Christ and sister in mission. Great warrior patriot. Also, uh, I want to thank Karen and Billy Vaughn for taking up the fight for our soldiers, for our families. Folks, if you don't have extortion, if you don't have uh, Betrayed, which is the story, the true story of Extortion 17, you need to get that book. It's going to change how you view our government. Today's going to change how you view our government. Straight up tell you, it's going to change it. There's no doubt about it. It's going to change. We have a phenomenal, phenomenal couple of guests for you today. But before we get to who our guests are, look, this is something important. I forget it all the time. Very, very important. Give a listen. Hey, Happy Warriors. This is a Ninja Pastor here. Please, this is very important. If you could... Follow and subscribe this show. You know what? My statistics for this show don't count unless you are a subscriber or a follower. Uh, what you do is you go to blogtalkradio.com backslash the ninja pastor. And if you use Twitter and Facebook, follow us at the ninja pastor. And on Facebook, click on sign up just under my photograph under www.facebook.com backslash God and Country Radio. Subscribers, you get notifications first of all of our shows anywhere we're appearing. And it's all free. Nobody steals your information. Again, if you could click on follow and subscribe here at www.blogtalkradio.com backslash The Ninja Pastor. If you're on Twitter and Facebook, follow me at The Ninja Pastor. Go to facebook.com backslash God and Country Radio. Click follow and sign up. Thanks a bunch. Man, I really appreciate it. Way to go, happy warriors. That's what I'm talking about. It's what I'm talking about. <laughs> so, okay, who's been listening to Show of Hands? Taco Tony's hands are covered in taco meat and grease. So he absolutely, absolutely, sorry that was so loud, by the way. I don't know what's going on with my sound. It's so super loud every time I go to commercial now. Even though I have it turned down, it blasts your ears. It blasts my ears. What do I know? I'm not a technical guy. I don't know. I don't know better. You know, that's me, British accent there. Just in case, you know, sometimes I order food. Like if I go through a drive-through, I'm trying to be uh, healthier, so I'm trying not to be going through the drive-through uh, as much. Although every now and then I got to give a shout out to my Chick-fil-A. Um, you know, I will get some as healthy as I can from there. Um, get a handful of meat, because that's what I like. I like a handful of meat. So anyway, um, sometimes I'll order in different accents, because I do imitations. And uh, and, and uh, the other day, 
I went through one and I and I was uh, Matthew McConaughey. All right, all right, all right. You know, I love how he says he was driving Mercury's before he was paid to drive a Mercury's. You know, anyway, I won't do it now, but and I'm working on Barack Obama. Working on doing Barack Obama. Why not? Why not? Why not? So anyway, um, hey, by the way, you guys, you were listening to the uh, series on how to survive social unrest, riots, looters, marauders, mayhem, all that business. Let me just tell you, uh, that show is kind of continuing today, but we're we're going to give you some information that I think, quite frankly, uh, is really, really, really important. Um, and it's going to help you in that pursuit. I'm going to answer some of the, the biggest questions that I get. Biggest questions that I get. And, um, you know, just want to just want to tell you that this is this is what we're doing. By the way, uh, let me also say hello to the guys in Madison Rising. They uh, great guys. Dave Bray's been on the show. Uh, Sam Fishman, the drummer, DiPietro, Larson, Tom DiPietro and A.J. Larson, great, great guys, uh, America's most patriotic rock band. But you know what? They're not just a patriotic rock band. They're an excellent rock band. But this this past week, uh, weekend, was this music festival called Firefly. You guys ever hear of that? I don't know. That's just an East Coast thing. I, you know, I don't know. But uh, it was in Dover, Delaware, and there were 92,000 people there for it. And it was televised on this one particular, uh, I'm not going to advertise for them, but this one particular uh, network, which they do a lot of advertisements. And they, uh, it was kind of interesting. I watched it a little bit just for fun. You know, I, I don't listen to moderny type of music. I don't. I just, I don't know. I mean, I do some, mostly accidentally. But, I mean, I don't li- listen to Top 40 on the radio. You know, I do. I listen to some classic rock and roll, rock and roll, and I listen to some blues, and I listen to some bluegrass. You know, I'm going to listen to some country. You know, I'm going to listen to some country now. You know, I am. Ah, I love me some country music. I listen to some gospel, and I listen to some Christian music. Listen to some classical. Um, you know, my my playlist is just. Very, very strange. I'm just going to tell you, it's very, very strange. It's like I have multiple personalities, and I don't know who I am. So anyway, so here's the dealio. Here's the dealio. Um, yeah, let me skip over that. Let me skip over that. We don't have time for that. Chat is filling up. Thank you guys for joining us over there. We really appreciate that. If you have questions, by the way, I should probably, I should probably say this. If you have questions, please put them in chat. If, you, if you're if you signing on chat, please put them in chat. Let me comment on something. Actually, I want to do this. Uh, I want to do it now. I wasn't going to do it, but because our, our, uh, our first guest is Sean Maloney. And uh, it's a special show. I'm, I'm going to just tell you right now, it's a very special show. Sean's been on before, and he's back by very popular demand. Uh, he's a Second Amendment expert. He's a nationally known attorney, founder and CEO of Second Call Defense. He's going to share some real-life current situations that really, to be honest, to be honest with you, could be you. 
Then we have a really, really special treat for you. Yesterday's um, yesterday's uh, event with Chrisanne Hall. She's a constitutional expert, nationally known, uh, nationally renowned speaker, really. Uh, she's a teacher. She's an attorney, extremely competent attorney. She's a Russian linguist. How about that? And she's a wife and a mother, and her husband's a pastor, and her grasp of Scripture is amazing, uh, but just as amazing as her grasp of the founding documents and the way our freedoms work is really, really pretty impressive, super, super impressive. And she's going to teach you some truth. We're going to talk specifically about people. One of the things they hit uh, hit me in the teeth a lot of times for, that's if they can hit my mouth because I don't have braces anymore. So uh, I'm not as worried. Not that you could hit me in the teeth before, but that's a difficult thing. So uh, anyway, people really get mad at me a lot of times about the whole resisting the government, fighting the government. They say, well, you're supposed to be a preacher. You're you're Reverend Dr. Sean. You're supposed to be a preacher, and here you are telling people to violate the Bible. And that's just wrong. But uh, they're incorrect, but I still love them. And uh, we're going to show you why today in the, in the last segment of our show with Chris Ann Hall. But right now, folks, super, 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 super happy to have Sean Maloney, second call defense, nationally known attorney. He is he is just the man, and he's going to drop some serious knowledge on you right now. Sean, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much, doctor. I'm loving how you spell your name. It's very different. It is very different. It's either one of two ways, really, in my lifetime. It's your way, S-H-A-W-N, or mine, S-E-A-N. I always like to think that, that mine is the right way or the correct way, but oh, that's only because that's the only way I know how to spell it. Yeah, it is the correct way. I'm liking it. Uh, it is very, very, very good way. Uh, when I grew up, people would say, because I grew up in Sussex County, Delaware. You know, it's country, and I'm a country fella. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> it's funny because they would say, seeing. You know, and I I have to tell you, I'm from uh, Cory, Pennsylvania, very much country, uh, northwestern Pennsylvania, and I've been called everything from seeing Melanie to uh, to seeing. So I'm there. I'm there with you. Good, Lance. Hey, did you see the video? Uh, It came out this weekend. Um, There was a Puerto Rican pride, a Puerto Rican pride parade. On today, uh, what was if they put it out? The video was from ABC Seven Chicago, and what it is is uh, as soon as I saw it, I thought of you. It's an actual shooting. Now, of course, it has to be Hollywood tricks because because of Chicago's gun laws, it can't possibly be an actual shooting with a real gun because, of course, they are outlawed. Only the police have guns, but it is video with audio, and in that video with audio, I happen to see a fellow pull out a gun and shoot other people. So I'm just wondering if perhaps I could be confused, perhaps uh, somewhere along the way, uh, maybe, maybe I don't know, maybe there's a movie being filmed, but apparently this is a real shooting. And in the video, it's a very short video, and only 1.5 million people have viewed it so far, but in this very short <laughs> video, you see an altercation occur, broad daylight, by the way, middle of town. And there is the uh, Puerto Rican Day parade going on. Uh, nothing that's, I'm not throwing rocks at the Puerto Rican people, but in the video, you see people. There are three very distinct shots that ring out very close by. 
not even 30 yards, and you see people in the video walking about like nothing is happening. They don't even recognize the sound of gunshots. That's kind of crazy. Could be a couple things. They could be confused because they understand that they're in a gun-free zone, and that can't possibly be a gunshot. Uh, Or maybe they think think it's just part of the festivities. You know what? That's a very good point, Sean. Very good point. That's why they made you an attorney, because they make smart guys attorneys. That's what they <laughs> well, they like to try. No, but you think like, about that. I mean, where can you find more anti-gun laws or more gun laws and guns against you and I protecting ourselves than in Chicago? Even yeah. still with the, the Illinois Supreme Court decisions and opinions that are out there telling Chicago you can't do what you're doing, everybody has a right to keep and bear arms. They're protected by, uh, well, you know, Chicago versus McDonald versus Chicago came out of there. And so we clearly know what the law is. And yet they try to pretend that they have a gun-free zone, uh, and they ignore the dozens and dozens of murders that are taking place uh, in Chicago on a monthly basis. You know, it's funny. When I get called to different churches and different organizations around the country, uh, it does strike me uh, when I'll get I'll get a request, and they'll very sheepishly say, now, I hear that you carry a gun. They always whisper gun, you know. I hear you carry a gun when you preach or when you speak and uh i don't i don't know how comfortable i feel with that really because i don't wave it around i mean i don't point it at people i just i just have it on me you know and uh well i mean you're in a church what could happen and this weekend we you know we got a real solid example of what can happen but you know what's amazing to me uh, the gun didn't cause all that mayhem. A human being did, but a gun could have solved it. Well, you know, and that's exactly right. And if you think uh, – I, I watched uh, Fox. I try not to watch uh, too many other news because of my, my brain can't take it. But I noticed there was a, there was a couple different ministers on. One was, uh, I'm going to protect my flock with a firearm. Uh I'm the final person who's responsible for them. And then another person says, you know, well, I'm not going to bring a, a, a firearm into my church. You know, there's too many bad things that can happen. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the sad thing, Sean, is this is going to happen again because it happens yearly on multiple occasions in churches in the United States. And sadly enough, we had a piece of legislation here in Ohio. Uh, I'm the legislative leader of Buckeye Farms Association, and we're in our legislative session. And we had some legislation that would allow people to carry firearms in churches without permission, but then if the church didn't want you to, they could post. Well, that got taken out because that was too controversial. Uh, There's nothing controversial about saving people's lives, and unfortunately, that is the way it has to be done on occasion. And for Mm -hmm. us to take the ability from people away, we're all sitting with our backs to the door, then then why, why doesn't my priest, why doesn't my pastor, my rabbi, my minister, why can't he or she protect us? What do you think people are afraid of? I've often uh, I ask that question whenever I go somewhere and they express some element of concern uh, about me carrying a gun. I say, well, what exactly are you afraid of? Well, you know, I found that still the vast majority of the people that are against this, especially the knowledge that they get and the education they have on firearms comes from Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw it on the news. Some, what if someone's going to rush up, rush up at you, and you accidentally shoot them, or the gun falls out of your pocket, or the holster, and it discharges? The guns just don't go off. And as we have proper education and firearms knowledge and safe handling knowledge, everybody understands, 
you know, what can and cannot happen. But I think it's just an education until mm-hmm. they get familiar with the firearm. And if you take anybody to the range and then they fully understand how to operate a firearm and how it's not going to jump up and shoot on its own, I think that education changes everything because it's the same thing. It's what if. What if this happens? What if that happens? Well, when you have the knowledge that that a gun isn't going to discharge on its own without someone pulling the trigger, the what ifs go away. And until mm-hmm. that happens, we're going to we're going to keep getting people that are acting out of their fears. And you know, you can't really discount their fears because they just don't have the knowledge to to, to lay those fears to rest them, to rest themselves. Mm-hmm. A basic handgun course would do it all. You know, uh, I remember I remember this during my time. I, I'm only just under fifty, and and I remember this during my time. Um, and my brother, I have an older brother, Randy, who uh, he actually used to take his 22 rifle to school on the bus, on the school bus, and then they had a range underneath in the basement of the school, a 22 range, and you had rifleman class. You actually had rifleman class. They also had during my time they had a gun gun club, and you know you had an advisor and all that stuff. And you know there there was not one single, uh, you know, one single shooting during the entire time at all. You know, Sean, that's interesting because probably all of our schools were built about the same. I'm a little bit older than you. I'm I'm just a little bit north of fifty. And I can remember the rifle range underneath the stage in high school and uh, shooting 22s, or we brought our own bows during archery season. And perish the thought, we all ran from football practice to our cars because we all had 12-gauge shotguns in the back of our trucks or our our cars because we were the Cory Beavers because our, our city was built on beaver ponds and there wasn't a better place in America to duck hunt. And you can, if you can imagine a football team skipping showers and running to the cars to to go hunting, uh, mm-hmm. with no no accidents, nobody running cars, nobody improperly using firearms. In fact, today, still back home, uh, they have trap and skeet teams, and they shoot competitively with the other high schools in the area. So we still have that in northwestern Pennsylvania, which makes me feel good. I live in Cincinnati, Ohio now, so when I go home to visit uh, mom and dad, I, I I bring the newspaper back because in the sports page it has the trap and skeet results, and I'll say this still happens in America. Hmm. Well, I have to say that um – I, I when I listen to that, you know, I guess maybe I'm weird. No, I don't guess. I'm I'm definitely weird. There's been confirmation for that. Um but I but I I do know a little bit and I know that in my growing up years there was violence. I mean, I'm not going to say there was no violence. Um but I know that coming to school and parking in the school parking lot, there were many occasions when I would see uh, shotguns in the shotgun rack in the back of people's pickups. I mean, that just that was a fairly normal occurrence. And now you would go to jail for that if you bite your toast at uh, lunch or breakfast at school into something that could be remotely articulated as looking like a gun. You know, they lock you up. They lock you up, they expel you, and they don't let you back into school, which, which is hard to believe. Perish the thought of firearm in the back of a pickup truck. 
And, you know, I guess that's we have to leave that as a piece of Americana that will never come back again. Now we have school safety zones. Now we have laws that regulate who can come onto campus with a firearm or something that looks like a firearm. But, you know, the federal law still exists. That's interesting. If you look at the laws, you're still allowed to walk across school property with a shotgun or a firearm if you're, if you're on your way to, uh, going hunting. So there's still laws that exist that kind of protect our rights. But you're right. When the school safety zones went into place, nobody could have firearms within that school safety zone. In Ohio, if you have a concealed carry permit, you're allowed to have a firearm in the car as long as you are immediately in the process of picking up or dropping off your child. Now, if you have to drop off homework or sign your sick child out, you can't get out of the car with a firearm. And you also, it's also illegal in Ohio to lock a firearm in no matter what condition, loaded or unloaded, in your car. So essentially, if I'm called to pick up my sick child, I have to park off the school property or somehow drop my firearm off someplace else before I can get out of my car and and, and get my child. So, you know, the laws are ridiculous, and they run the gamut. Uh, from you know rather easily to uh, to to extreme, but that's not where the violence came came from. The violence is generated from outside sources. It has nothing to do with the firearm. And until people start to realize that, and you know, I saw a billboard, a picture of a billboard, you know, of Cain versus Abel, and that's an example, Sean, that I've used forever. You know, when people, when there's a shooting and there's a horrific act that like just occurred. We want to blame somebody, and I think politicians want to blame somebody, and they want to act. And so they act against the only thing they can, and they want to draft another piece of firearms legislation. But it's important to remember that you can't legislate the evil from a person's heart. It's there, and we can't do anything about it, but guard against the consequences and be prepared for when that evil appears, because it's going to happen, and we know it does. From time to time, it's going to. So being prepared is what we're all about and the lord gave us the ability to prepare for these things but now our government wants to take our ability of preparedness away and that's what we have to guard against the most guard against the threats and guard against our own government unfortunately you said something a minute ago i i'm i just want to make sure i heard right i didn't want to interrupt you because i'm super polite because i was raised with some manners but um i i have to ask you did you just say that in the the state of Ohio, if you have to go pick up your child from school, you can't have a gun anywhere in your car? That's correct. We just changed that law. It just got voted out of the House. Now, it's it's far from becoming law, but the way the law is, is if you're a concealed carry permit holder in Ohio and you have your firearm and you can have it legally on school property if you're immediately in the process of picking up or dropping off your child or your student. Not your wife, not homework, not picking a child up from from a doctor. That that doesn't apply. And then once more, we can only have that firearm as long as we're in the car with it, picking up or dropping off our child. One of the problems there, what if we have to get out of the car and drop off homework or sign out our sick child? Well, the way the law is in Ohio also, you cannot have a firearm locked in your car on school property. So really, you can't leave the car if you have that firearm with you. That's why we have to either disarm, park off out of the school property, or uh, drop off the firearm on, on the way to the school at your house, if that's possible. But you're correct. What do they it, think the gun's going to do when you when you go inside the school? What's the gun going to do if it's locked up in your car? Well, well your car, I know that. Car while you're in there? No, and that's the problem. And if you look at Ohio concealed carry law, you know, it's only about 10 years old. When it first came out, it had been vetoed repeatedly by a Republican governor, by the way, Taft. 
And the bill that they came up with was the only thing that they could get passed. And we like to say that we've been detafting that bill ever since. Uh, for instance, when the bill, when the concealed carry first passed in Ohio, you were not allowed to have a firearm in the car with a concealed carry permit if you had anybody under the age of 18 in the automobile with you. Well, part of the reason why we carry firearms is to protect our family. And so oh, my oh, kids... Whoa, 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 whoa. There is no freaking way. Did you just say <laughs> that you, if you had someone under the age of 18, let's say you have a, a pistol uh, in a in a in a holster on your side, and you're driving the car, but if there was someone under 18, 18 or younger in your vehicle, you couldn't carry a gun? That's the way the law was first passed. So Who if you had a concealed carry permit, would ever allow that? To be passed. Well, and, and and that was the first. That was the only way the law that it could be passed. And then the second year, that was one of the first changes that was made. Is that was eliminated, and that was part of the detafting and and crafting a bill that everybody could live with. But it, in in Ohio, it's been a step by step, uh, brick by brick build. And and we have some. I like to think some pretty great laws right now, but the way they started out historically, if you look at Ohio law and the way the concealed carry laws were first passed, they were ridiculous. We still have the law, and this is another one that bothers me. We can't have a firearm on us while we're picking up or dropping off our children from daycare. So when I pull up the daycare, I park, I have to disarm myself, you know, take it out of the holster. One of the most dangerous things that we can do as concealed carry permit holders is deholster and reholster our firearms. So I'm, pick, I'm taking my son to daycare, and I have to uh, disarm put the gun wherever, in the parking lot with everybody watching me, get out, get my child out of the car seat, take him in, drop him off, a total of 13 seconds has elapsed, and I walk back to my car and I rearm. That's something that's still part of Ohio law, but again, that's something that we're working on changing. So there, there's a lot of senseless laws out there that need to be changed, and, and that will be changed over time. But I think when, when people are first passing laws, it's the what-ifs and it's the lack of education. We uh, we just recently passed suppressor hunting last year. Uh, one of the greatest things that we did is we got suppressors out in the shooting range, and we invited everybody. We had uh, doctors there to explain what the dangers was done to the eardrums, but then we had people given the opportunity to shoot with a suppressor, and they realized it's not Hollywood. It does make noise. You can hear things. And why should we sacrifice our hearing for our hobby? And so those are different things that, that helped with that. But again... Uh, it may, I guess, seem per perfectly reasonable to somebody not to have a parent with a firearm dropping off their kid. I'm not sure who that person is, but uh, when that legislation was drafted, that was the only way it could get through. Let me, uh, not to change gears too fast on you, and we'll, we'll get back to that, but I, I was looking forward to talking to you. Um, one of the things that comes from tragedies like what happened <clears throat> in uh, Charleston, South Carolina, in the church, is government seems to want to strip away more rights when we're thinking, oh, we have to do it. It's, it's, uh, this, we got to do something. But I'm finding it very strange, and, and I know this doesn't necessarily uh, have so much to do with guns per se, but after the Charleston killings, uh, South Carolina is debating taking down the the – Confederate flag. Now, I don't understand. I don't understand the link there. I don't understand. It's 
it's like part of the the anti-gun crowd never lets a tragedy go to waste. After yeah. George Zimmerman, after George Zimmerman, if you remember, when he was acquitted, the first thing that everybody did was, was, was they screamed, "We have to get rid of stand your ground." Well, stand your ground was never part of the case. It was never a, a, applicable to that case at all. But that's what everybody screamed for, and it seemed like again they have to do something. They don't know how to deal with the evil, the evil intent. In, in this monster's mind, and so all of a sudden they look at what they perceive to be the hate that comes from, uh, you know, that flag, and so now yeah. someone who wants to act against that flag, and I think that's part of the that that's part of let's do something. Well, I, I look at the flag and I look at history, and a lot of a lot of history, and the guest that's going to be on after you, Chris Ann Hall. I don't know if you've ever got ever gotten a chance to hear her speak, but she's absolutely dynamic. Um, and she's she's right on accurate, and so um, it, you uh, somebody's telling me Philly Bob is telling me that one of our listeners they just took the Confederate flag down that it that it passed they voted on it and it passed. I, uh, wow, that's um, that's kind of sickening. I hope I hope that that's just information coming out that might be... Because, you know, if they can tell you to take down one flag, they can tell you to take down all your flags. And you better believe it, and that and that's where it comes from. Now they can tell us to, to take down anything. And, and, and that's a part of history that we should never forget, brother yeah. killing brother, and the blood that was spilt to become... And that that's part of what built the foundation of what it takes to be an American and what it means to all of us. And so for us to ignore that and, and try to take that flag down as a symbol of hatred, I think, is improper. And certainly uh, in this context, it serves no purpose. Yeah, uh, and, and but there's a lot of, like Nikki Haley is talking about it. Uh, she's in favor of taking it down. And, and it, it surprises me in a sense because, you know, Nikki Haley's a pretty conservative lady. She's she's pretty awesome, I think, in, in many, many respects. I had kind of hoped that she, but maybe she'll be a, uh, maybe she'll be, called upon on somebody's ticket as vice president, but I'd kind of hope that she right. thought about maybe running for president because I know she's very pro-gun. Um, <clears throat> but I'm, but I'm, I'm frustrated by this because it seems to me that for whatever reason, well, I know what the reason is. I mean, liberal ideology says, hey, you know what? Like you said, never let a good, never let a, never, never let a, a tragedy go to waste, a good tragedy go to waste. And so they start shoving this stuff in. They start stripping away. One of the things Chris Ann Hall is going to talk about when um, when she comes on after you is really understanding our rights and understanding as Christians. I happen to be a Christian. This is uh, you know a faith based show. Um, <clears throat> so many folks just don't understand their rights. And when when you tell me stories about in Ohio, really, to a fairly conservative state, I thought that you just got concealed carry 10 years ago and uh what's what's even blowing my mind um I, someone told me I have a nephew that lives there and he told me that if you do have a concealed carry permit uh you have you can't carry ball ammunition you have to carry um hollow point is that true no, that, that's not true. There's there's no requirement. We don't have any ammunition requirement. There was a piece of legislation that they wanted to try to get passed. There's uh, Ohio was really a, often a tale of two states. Uh, the southern part, where Cincinnati is, is fairly conservative, uh, and then 
uh, has r- rather common sense gun laws. But then if you go to the northeastern portion of the state of Ohio in Cleveland area in Cuyahoga County, it's just the opposite. And so a lot of legislation, I tell people that although we're passing good gun laws now, and we have uh, we have year after year after year of success on our side. There is still that side of the state, and there's still people all over the country that every morning they get out of bed and their feet hit the ground. They're going to try to take our constitutional rights or our civil rights or our Second Amendment rights away, and it's no joke. And I know that piece of legislation was uh, was proposed, but but that's not the law in the state of Ohio. You can choose your own ammo, whatever that is. Good, good, good. I'll, I'll make sure I tell my nephew that. Now, yeah, and make I make sure you give your nephew know. my phone number too. I will. I will. I actually give it to him. Um, I put a link. Now, tell me. You know, there's there's some stories we have about. What do we have? About ten minutes left. Um, okay. In, what's happening right now? What are some examples? Like, I don't know if people know uh, if they picked up on this, but Second Call Defense. I'm telling you, it's one of my favorite services known to man. Um, we run a commercial on here every show, and and it's it's one of the more phenomenal products and most needed products uh, out there. But what are some circumstances or some real things that are happening right now that are applicable to what you do, the service you provide? Well, I know I always forget every time I'm on your show, I forget to do this. And, and I want to offer your listeners, you're a special program. Uh, I don't think there's probably anything that duplicates what you do anywhere. And certainly, you, you know, you, your love for uh, for Jesus Christ and the Second Amendment probably is not paralleled by many. So I want to offer everybody, if, if you guys use Ninja as a special offer code, anybody listening or at any time wants to join up or sign up for Second Call Defense, uh, using the link on your on your webpage or just uh, secondcalldefense.org and use the code NINJA, we'll give them their first month free. I want to do awesome. that to your listeners for you because uh, for what you do for all of us. Uh, in particular, Second Call Defense was created um, by myself and, and a couple partners. I've been a criminal defense attorney for 24 years, and the last nine years specifically have been dedicated to firearms law. Now, whether it's Second Amendment-related law, but mostly it ends up being self-defense law. And I think I, a friend of mine coined that term. I'm a, I'm a self-defense attorney because in most occasions, most of my cases deal with someone who's been forced to use a firearm in self-defense, whether that's brandishing and saying, my God, please stop, don't, which I had a client brandish and who was arrested for brandishing at one time, uh, and then if you actually have to pull the trigger in self-defense. We needed something that would offer immediate assistance because uh, what I think the statistic is 73% of Americans now live paycheck to paycheck. So who has $10,000 cash in their nightstand for bond? I always say raise your hand. And then uh, what we do is after you're forced to use a firearm for self-defense, and we have very affordable monthly payments from eight ninety-five uh, to thirty-five ninety-five for the ultimate. But if you're forced to use a firearm for self-defense, your first call should be to nine one one, and your second call should be to second call defense, where an attorney is going to be available twenty-four hours a day to first calm you down, make sure that nine one one call has been made, and then advise you of your rights and calm you down so when the police arrive and get there that you have your faculty and what's about you, and you can point out the bad guy, the evidence, and any witnesses, and then calmly and remember to tell uh, the police officers that you'll be happy to cooperate, but not until you've had some time to speak to an attorney and collect your thoughts, and until then you're going to exercise your Fifth Amendment rights. Uh, and that it, everybody says, well, that seems like it's pretty easy. Well, not really, not with the rush of adrenaline, the neophrenephrine in our systems, everything that goes on around that. We needed protection, and I did it selfishly as an attorney. I said, well, who am I going to call? 
I'm an NRA instructor also, and I teach basic pistol, which is a requirement to get a concealed carry permit in the state of Ohio. So after I would scare my students for a half hour talking about Ohio law, I had nothing to offer them. And I said, there's got to be a better way to do it. So the way the program works, if you're arrested for whatever reason, we're going to offer immediate bail and bond money. We're going to give you a list of attorneys immediately in the area where the shooting takes place. I always say, I get calls from all over the country, uh, can I put you on a retainer? And I said, why? You don't know where you're going to use a firearm. You need an attorney where the shooting takes place, not anywhere else. And if you know where the shooting is going to take place, my first piece of advice is don't go there. And then also, uh, we provide for the retainer fee for that attorney. We provide for expert witnesses. If your firearm is seized, and it's going to be if you use a gun in self-defense, they're going to take that away because it's evidence. We're going to get that gun back for you, or we're going to simply replace it with another firearm. And we have a whole list of other benefits, including psychological counseling if you need it. None of us know how we're going to react to a situation like that. And we even pay for uh, uh, money uh, per day in court. We know that you're not going to be getting paid while you're in court defending yourselves, but your mortgages still do. So we, we offer a whole list of services, and the best way to find them, Sean, is to go to www.secondcalldefense.org or simply go to your webpage, and you can click on your icon at the bottom of the page, the Second Call Defense, and get all the information you need. And again, join up free of charge, free of cost, 30 days free, charge it, uh, try it out. And if you don't like it, cancel it with no obligation. But I, th I think when you, when you see everything uh, that we provide, and with your membership packet, you're going to start being educated. You're going to get a, a paper yeah. that I wrote on, on how to handle the 911 call. Plus, I, I think the card that you get, the really nice card that you get once you become a member, uh, keeping that in your billfold right next to your concealed carry permit, very important thing to have because it has a number to call right there, very bold, uh, very easy to read, and then you have steps. Do this, mm -hmm. then do this, then do this. Don't do this. Um, I think that's incredible. Bette Midler, now the woman can sure sing. There's no doubt about that, but she just uh, said she's so ashamed of the U.S. where you feel free to just get a gun and kill anyone you feel like. Now, does she does she understand that that's already illegal? And, or, and that's the thing. It, there is, again, and that's that's the anti-gun crowd or the liberals or whatever. I'm not even sure what, what to call these, these folks who make statements like that anymore. Uh, that is already illegal. And if you think about the number of crimes that were felonies that were committed in this last shooting in South Carolina, you had a gentleman or a kid or a beast that was already under a federal disability and couldn't own a firearm. His father purchased him a firearm knowing that he was under that disability. That's a felon. And then he takes it into a gun-free zone, another felony. And then, of course, every person that he shot and killed was a felon. And there was pre-planning and everything else. It, it makes no sense. Again, uh, if it makes these people feel better, that, that has to be the only purpose for some of the bizarre things they say. But again, uh, it's not the firearm. It's not how many more laws do we need. It's the fact that you can't legislate the evil intent from a person's heart, and you have to stop it at that point. And unfortunately, Bette Miller of the world uh, get in our way and, and do more harm than good as, as we're trying to figure out how to handle these situations. What do you make of the people who say, look, you know, we need background checks for um, for the mental – we need to share mental health information and all that? What do you make of that? What's your take on it? Well, you know, when you're talking about sharing mental health uh, information, a couple things come to mind. Uh, 
with HIPAA and the HIPAA laws, I'm not sure how that can legally be accomplished. Uh, then secondarily, I think when that information is out there, and of course it doesn't really matter what your family says or what a doctor says, it's all up to the courts. And if you're adjudicated as being mentally deficient, well, then you're under a disability. But I'm not sure if that information is making into the NICS system. So when someone does a background check, you know, that information has to be there uh to prohibit that person from purchasing a farm, you know. But mental health is a, is a huge problem in this country. Yeah. Uh, but you know what, well, Sean, I can't well, figure out what it was still here back in the '60s, but we didn't have these problems. Right. Well, that kid was on Suboxone, and uh, that's that's an incredibly serious drug. And it's it's interesting to me that uh, it, it has been a bunch of avowed and confirmed liberals who uh, they're on, you know, psychotropic drugs, and they go to these places, they, they acquire a gun uh, in, in an illegal manner, and then they go to these places and they, they kill a bunch of people. And the first thing the government wants to do is take away guns from law-abiding citizens, the very people that could have stopped it. They want to take away the guns from They want to make us more vulnerable. Listen, man, I'll tell you what, I am, I am so pleased to have you a friend of the show. Folks, uh, that's a very special thing that uh, Sean Maloney, nationally known attorney and uh, Second Amendment expert, uh, CEO of Second Call Defense. If you go to secondcalldefense.com, uh, was it .com? It's .org. .org. .com will, get it. .com will get you there, but .org is the correct address. Well, I'll tell you what else, too. You could go to uh, theninjapastor.com and click on that link there. That'll take it right there. That's easy. That, click that's, on the, that's the easiest ninja. way to do it. And, uh, and put, make sure you put in there Ninja. He's going to offer you a free month, and that's pretty awesome. I think that's a really, really cool thing. Sean, I really appreciate you coming on. We're going to have you on again. I know everybody always, always loves to have you on. I get so many great comments. Folks, go to secondcalldefense.org or go to theninjapastor.com. Click on that link. It's very plain. It's a little button type of deal, and that will automatically take you to where you need to go. Read up on it. You can download information. It's free. Nobody's going to pressure you. Um, I have it. I will never be without it. It's a tremendous product. Sean, thank you so much for what you do in our fight for freedom, and thank you for giving us a means by which we can protect ourselves. Well, and thank you, Sean, and, and believe me, uh, the world's listening to you, and, and keep it up because we have to get our information someplace. Awesome, awesome. Thanks, buddy. Thank you for calling. We'll talk to you again very, very soon. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Well, there you have it, America. <clears throat> there you have it. Now, the Second Amendment is one, it's one of the amendments, obviously. That's why they call it the Second Amendment. But you know what? Little by little, I'm seeing uh, people are sending me message after message after message about the Obama administration is seeking to repeal Second Amendment apart from Congress via executive order. And we kind of laugh and we kind of say, ha ha, you go ahead. You know, there's 200 million hunters out there that say otherwise. But uh, but it's not happening. We we don't say otherwise. We we get on Facebook and Twitter and we bicker. But um I'm I'm going to bring a guest on now. We're going to forego uh, commercials at the moment, and uh, I'm going to suppress all those, and so that you can hear from this great dear lady. She is phenomenal. Uh, her name is Chris Ann Hall. I've known her for uh, I think a few years now, and a real patriot, a real fighter for freedom, and she is a constitutional expert, a founding documents expert, 
Um, she's also a, a Russian linguist, which I think is pretty cool. And she's a disabled army vet. And she is going to come on right now and tell you uh, some truths. Now, this is called the collision of faith and politics. And people uh, very, very often tell me uh, that they think that, you know, and these are Christians. Uh, these are These are one of the biggest uh, opponents of true liberty and freedom is and i and i hate to say this because i tick off a lot of my crowd i'm not talking about you if you're listening to the show most likely you're not an opponent uh of freedom you're not one of these people but conservatives uh, are are often so incorrect on what our true liberties are where our liberties and freedoms come from and how we are to gain back our liberties and freedom and and what we're to do as far as government people you know they they tell me all the time you know, well, uh, you know, and the Bible clearly tells us that we are not, that God put those people in place, those people, and we're to be subject to them and, you know, render under seizures and all that stuff, you know. And, and, and uh, you know, we're so privileged to have Chris Ann Hall now. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm glad to have you with us, Chris Ann. Um, I am so pleased to be here. Hey, listen, um, let me just, uh, let me just, because I know that you are, what are you traveling? How many, 200 and some days a year? Oh, I teach 265 classes uh, on average every year in over 20 states. Sometimes I teach two and three classes a day, uh, but I am traveling about three weeks out of every month. Wow. That is impressive. That's That's a busy, busy lady there. That's awesome. Hey, so one of the biggest things, and I know that, uh, you know, I know you don't tout yourself as a scriptural expert, but it is clear that you know what you're doing. By the way, folks, if you go to, if you're a Facebook kind of person, go to facebook.com backslash God and Country Radio. There's a link right there right now for Chris Ann Hall's website. You go there, there are a lot of resources. So don't freak out. If you're listening to Chris Ann, she's, she's, she's going to give you a lot of information. Uh, that's very usable, and it's all you can fact check it. It's all uh, footnoted and endnoted. Anything she says, she can back up. Um, but don't freak out if you're driving. You say, I can't write that down. I can't write that reference down. It's right there for you. Just go there while you're there. Click on like, click on you know, all the different buttons and do all the things that that's supposed to do. And you will uh, be able to go right to her website where a lot of these resources are made available. She has her own radio show. You can listen to that there. You can listen to um, archive shows. And it's really, really good stuff. It's powerful. It's in your face. It is not politically correct. And you know I love that. Let me let me just say a word about political correctness. Uh, somebody said, you know, you brag on not being politically correct too much. And I, and I'll, I will say, um, folks, it's, it's not that I brag. It's not that I set out to be politically incorrect. I just uh, I loathe political correctness, and it is such a tool of the left. But as in today, with the Confederate flag being pulled down, uh, and Nikki Haley, God bless her, you know uh, she's under such pressure. But we need some brave folks uh, in leadership in the different states. The states are what's most important. You, uh, um, I, I know that Chris Ann is an expert on this, but it's the states. The power rests with the states. But where I get frustrated, Chris Ann, and I know that you're going to address this today, is uh, Christians who misinterpret the Bible and misunderstand Scripture to to just become uh, pawns, and and they say, well, we want to, 
You know, we're supposed to be martyrs. We're supposed to be, you know, love them to, uh, we, we've got to love them to Christ. And we've, you know, we've got to, we've got to be obedient, all of these different things. And they're doing that based on scripture. So I, I'm very, very frustrated right now because so many Christians are, uh, they'll sit at home, they won't vote. Uh, they won't get out there and get in the face of their politicians when their politicians are clearly and obviously violating the laws of God. What do you make of that? Where do you where do you weigh in on that? Well, you know that this is a, a new interpretation of Romans 13, a modern interpretation of Romans 13, and it's not something uh, that uh, has been believed throughout Christianity, and history itself proves that. Because the Bible does not teach that we are to submit to all government. Uh, The Romans 13 very clearly outlines that the government was established by God to be be a a work for good in God's name. And when it doesn't, then we are not obligated to stand behind it. Uh, As a matter of fact, the Bible is very clear, Sean, that we are supposed to stand against government that is not uh, operating in God's will and that is contrary to uh, liberty because liberty is a gift from God. And, and any law of man that contradicts with something that God has established can't be any law at all. Hmm. So, so uh, what do you say to the people who say, look, you know, I'm, I'm just not a fighter. I, I, I worship God. I love God. I go to church. I pray. I pray for our leaders. I pray um, that God would open their eyes. I pray that God would would purify their heart. I pray that God would touch their, you know, touch their heart and 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 lead them to do the right thing. What do you say to those people? Well, you know, I would say that um, that is not the way God wants us to respond to those things, and the Bible is full of examples of people who have not responded that way. Uh, to to God's uh, reward of them. So you have, um, it, you know, it starts in Exodus chapter 1. You have the Hebrew midwives who have been instructed by the king, by the government, to tell, um, to kill all the male Hebrew boys as they're born. This is, you know, government-mandated abortions. And so uh, the Hebrew nursemaids, Refuse. As a matter of fact, it's really a sort of funny part in the Bible because they're refusing to kill these Hebrew boys, and the king confronts them and says, why aren't you doing this? And the Hebrew nursemaids respond and say, well, you know, those Hebrew women, they're different than the Egyptian women. They're just so slippery. By the time we get there, the boys are already out. And, uh, and you know, I mean, somebody like that could say, well, yeah, but they're defying government, and and that's true. There's some, you know, they're just defying government. But the 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 response is not, uh, their response is not as significant as God's response, because God responds to these women defying the law by enriching and enlarging their homes, saying that He will bless them beyond measure. I mean, and then you have in Exodus chapter two, Jochebed, she's the mother of Moses. She refuses to uh, comply with the king's order because now the king's figured out that the Hebrew nursemaids are not going to kill the babies when they're born. And so he orders that all the male children 
before a certain age be drowned in the river. And so Jochebed refuses to comply with this law. She says, I will not comply with this law. And she puts her child in the river, but in a basket and floats it down the river. God doesn't punish Jochebed. As a matter of fact, God gives Jochebed the greatest gift he could ever give a woman. This woman, Jochebed, is thinking that she is sending her child away forever and that she will never see him again. And God rewards her by allowing her to raise her own son in the home of the person who wanted him dead. By now defying law twice, we get Moses. And what does Moses do? Moses is a prophet. He's an abolitionist. He's the, he frees the, the uh, Israelites from slavery. And he is, he is resisting the tyrannical uh, order of Pharaoh. Now, the interesting thing about Moses, Sean, is that Moses didn't want to resist the government. Moses actually argued with uh, God about doing this. This was God's idea, telling Moses to go defy the government. And he rewards them by giving them freedom. I mean, this, these are just stories, Sean, these are stories that we hear in Sunday school. But we've never, te- we've never taught the complete, um, the, the, the complete application of these stories. You know, in, uh, in Daniel chapter 1, Daniel is a young man. He is taken into custody with three other Hebrew boys that we will learn later are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the, uh, the uh, eunuch to the king comes to Daniel and tells these uh, four boys, you have to eat the government's food. Apparently this is some kind of national t- nutrition program, right? Maybe it's, Yeah, Michelle maybe Obama was working there. Yeah, let's say maybe it wasn't the king's national nutrition program. It was the queen's nut- national tr- nutrition program. We don't know because the Bible's not clear. But the clear answer is this, that Daniel says to the eunuch, we're not going to eat this food. We're not going to follow your mandated nutrition program. And he convinces the eunuch to allow them to eat uh, the way God wants them to eat and uh, that uh, we have to uh, then uh, see how we do. And God uh, rewards this plan of, of, not, of disobeying the government-mandated food by making the four Hebrew boys healthier, fitter, and in a better condition than the people who followed the nutritional program. So we, we not only see that these boys are standing up, but we see also that Daniel has been a mentor to these three boys because eventually the three boys are going to be um, on their own. When they're standing uh, before the the idol of the king, and they're told to bow when the music plays. Mm-hmm. Well, the boys, having learned from Daniel and seeing how God rewarded them for disobeying an unlawful law, they said, we're not going to bow. As a matter of fact, they said, we may burn, but we will not bow. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into the fire, and God joined them in the fire. And so what we have now is a situation where 
God not only is rewarding Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego for defying the law. I mean, these are not, we have to understand, these are the law that the government is making. And if right. God is saying to them, you don't have to follow the law that, God, that government makes when it contradicts with a higher law. And not only that, God is going to get the glory out of that. Um, we see Daniel again. I love this story about Daniel because it's, it is just an amazing story. Because this is what happens when you get someone good in government. And Daniel is a politician. As a matter of fact, a politician of the highest order. He is the governor over all governors in the land, which sort of flies in the face of all these Christians who say that, that God doesn't want Christians to be involved in government because Daniel was the highest governor of the land, the highest politician that there was. And um, one day those who didn't like Daniel went to attack him. And they had the king write a law and sign a law into effect that said no one will worship anyone but the king for 30 days. Now these guys drafting this law knew that it wouldn't take 30 days for Daniel to break the law. So they wrote this law specifically for Daniel. Daniel did not just uh, Daniel did not just um, step down and say, "Well, I I am a governor of governors, and I must obey the law and submit myself to the law." No, Daniel threw open his doors and windows and prayed to Jerusalem three times a day in public. This was a public display of resistance. Now, there was no, nothing in rabbinical law that said that Daniel had to pray in, in the open or that he had to pray facing Jerusalem. But I think Daniel was trying to point out here, yes, I am praying every day, and I am praying three times a day, and I don't want there to be any misunderstanding as to who I am praying to. Mm -hmm. So what happened to Daniel? The king threw him in the lion's den, and God let the lions eat him up, right? Right. No. No, they, they no. He, he I don't think I don't think you I don't think folks really understand that he didn't get eaten by hungry lions. No, he did not. As a matter of fact, the scripture says, "My God hath sent his angel and hath shut the lion's mouth that they have not hurt me." God sent an angel and God shut the lion's mouth so they will not hurt Daniel. Now, what the Bible says next is absolutely brilliant. It is the greatest piece of scripture that explains our obligation to tyrannical law. It says, uh, my God has sent his angel and has uh, shut the lion's mouth that they have not hurt me for as much as before him innocency was found in me and also before thee, O king, I have done no hurt. God declared Daniel innocent before God, even though he clearly broke the law and declared that Daniel had not hurt the king by breaking the law either. And so, so I mean, what, what we have, we have all these stories, Sean. I mean, how do you dispute that God wants us to stand against government that, that creates tyrannical law? 
Okay, so we've got some great questions coming in. Uh, they're following God's law personally, following their own conscience and understanding, making a decision to say no, but they are not undermining or seeking to eliminate the government that exists. And then uh, another question is, are there any New Testament examples of uh, resisting the government or, or working to uh, change the government because their their laws are ungodly, their ruling is ungodly? Okay. <laughs> well, the first one, uh, you know, they they def- the uh, defiance of the law changed the law. Daniel himself defying the king, he is the government. He was in the government. It was not just somebody personally defying the right. law. Daniel was in government defying the government's order to change the law. I mean. As Daniel is defying the law, the king has withdrawn the law because he feels so bad about what has happened to Daniel. And there are New Testament um, uh, 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 examples of this. For example, Acts chapter 20. You have uh, the apostles preaching in the, the town square. It is against the law to be teaching in the town square. And so... Then they are arrested and thrown into jail. God doesn't allow them to rot in jail for defying the government. He sends an angel to break them free and then tells them through his messenger, go back out and go to the same place you were and do the same thing that you did, defying the law that got you arrested. They went back to the town square, engaged once again in the illegal behavior, And they were brought before the government, and the government says to them, look, we told you this was against the law. You were thrown into prison, and now you're back doing it again? And the response of the apostles was, I'm sorry, but we have to obey God rather than men. There are a lot of people who... um as I travel around and speak, I don't I don't hit as many spots as you do, but I can tell you when I do travel around and speak, I always get asked. People say, "Look, you know, you're always telling us to take action. You're always telling us to to stop being passive." Um, what are some recommendations, especially for uh, followers of the way, uh, people who follow Christ or or uh, people of faith, and they're just tired of it. They're they're tired of getting our our heads beat in by the government and and let me I hate to say this because it sounds so rough but this is not a a left versus right thing uh this is not a republican or democrat thing because you know what there are many many republicans who just don't understand or maybe maybe they don't understand or maybe they just don't care what the constitution is is really saying about our rights about so what do you say to those people that uh, have thrown up their hands? They say, you know what, I, I just, I'm so frustrated. I'm so upset. I'm so tired. Um, I see it on social media all the time. People say, look, you know what, I've been on here for three years, five years. Um, I've been posting my brains out. It doesn't seem to be changing anything. I, I'm just giving up. I'm just giving up and praying God comes back. And, you know, I'm just tired of fighting. What do you say to those well, you know. Excuse me. God bless. God bless you, girl. God bless you. I'm putting my hand up, laying it on your forehead, healing you. That's me. 
I would simply say that the Bible has told us that we are to finish the race. Uh, Walk until he, he comes. Right, exactly. Um, we need to make sure that we are – I'm going to sneeze again. I don't know what happened. This tech me all of a sudden. We have to make sure that we are fulfilling our obligations as Christians. And no <coughs> sorry. <I'm> <laughs> no person finishes a race by sitting down and waiting for the finish line to come to them. And so uh, God was very clear that we are to finish the race, we are to work until he comes, and we're supposed to finish. Uh, this is a marathon and uh, every time I have watched a marathon, Sean, every single race, the people don't sit down at the end and wait for the finish line. It's when they see the finish line that they start working harder and pushing faster. And that's what we should be doing. What are, uh, you know, I, I tell you, I, uh, I've talked to a lot of people in the different speeches that I've given in different churches. Um, it is interesting. I talked to kind of a, uh, an eclectic. By the way, folks, if you're listening to, uh, let's say you're in the Maryland, Delaware, Pennsylvania, New Jersey area, um, if if you are within two hours of of Lansdale, Pennsylvania, the Holiday Inn in Lansdale, Pennsylvania, um, this is where uh, Chris Ann Hall is going to be tonight. She's going to be talking about state sovereignty, which is phenomenal, phenomenal talk in Culpsville. K-U-L-P-S-V-I-L-L-E, Pennsylvania, Culpsville, Pennsylvania, uh, 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. Listen, folks, um, I got to tell you, this you, you want to hear this young lady live. You want to hear her live. Um, there are DVDs and all kinds of things of her, of her teaching that you can get off of her website. Go to uh, God and Country Radio off of Facebook and click on the link. And you're going to find amazing resources, which, quite frankly, uh, I've been stunned at how incredibly, what a great value uh, her materials are. I don't know how you keep your prices so low, uh, but I know what it costs to publish my book, and I just, I'm amazed that you can do it. it. It's phenomenal. But, folks, you need to go and and listen to this young lady live and in person. If you're in Maryland, Delaware, Pennsylvania, or New Jersey, it's worth the trip. Hop in the car and go there. It's worth the trip. No doubt about it. We um we rely on on the donations of people, Sean. We really rely on do- outside donors to help us. And uh we we operate by faith and we've been doing this now for 4 years and it's the only way that we we are are willing to operate. If we are not able to make ends meet by by uh God being able to impress upon people to bring things you know to donate and to by the sale of the books uh we we don't want to to do this because then it becomes about money and it becomes about us it becomes about fame and it becomes about fortune and and we are not a fame ministry we are a faith ministry and our donations, no. by the way, are we depend on God for them, which means we are not a 501c3, so we do not need the government to tell us what we can and cannot say to get the people's in God's favor. Amen. Amen. That is awesome. Hey, uh, I'm getting a lot of requests to learn more about your story. I know you told your story last night, 
and I and I love hearing it. I love hearing your story because I think it's a powerful, powerful story. Would you be willing to share some of your personal story uh, with the folks today on the radio audience? Uh, sure. <laughs> I I was not, you know, I mean, I I was not born a Christian. I was not uh, born a conservative uh, constitutionalist. Um, I was not even raised a Christian. I was raised in a home that was, you know, I, I wouldn't say agnostic, but just something apathetical at best. And uh, one of my parents was was more than apathetical; was very angry at God. And uh, so we were never required to go to church. We never did any scripture study. And as a matter of fact, any reference to God was was pretty much done in in, in animosity. And so I was raised believing that only stupid, weak people needed God and that I didn't need God because I was strong and I was capable and, and I was smart. And uh, I didn't believe that I, it was possible for me to have faith. I believe because I'm I'm very naturally science and math-minded that uh, I didn't have to have faith, I didn't need faith, because I didn't have to believe in anything that I could not see. And so I grew up with that sort of mentality, uh, with an unexplained emptiness inside that I tried to personally fill with just about everything that I could. Uh, I filled it with every religion. I have I have dabbled and practiced in just about every religion there is i have um uh, i have been engaged in drugs and alcohol i mean nothing really big you know but there were things that i just kept trying to fill that empty void i tried to fill it with relationships and none of those things lasted it wasn't until i um after i went in the military i broke my hip in the army and um the army did not treat me very well um, as a matter of fact, they treated me pretty badly, abusively, because they did not recognize that I was that I had broken my hip. They couldn't see the fracture in an X-ray, and so they just assumed that I was trying to get out of work. And the way that they treated me, because of my pain, was just it was psychologically damaging. Mm. And so. Uh, and 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 I'm in chronic pain, so I'm I'm physically defeated as well. And so uh, I get out of the military. There's still no diagnosis. I go through the VA system. There's still no diagnosis. And to make this sort of long story short, my health began to decline in many many ways. My life, because of this chronic pain, was declining. My marriage was declining, and. Um, I had reached a point where there was nothing that I could do myself. You know, I couldn't pick myself up by my own bootstraps. There was nothing that I could do to make myself feel better or make my life right or do anything to fix what was going on. And uh, coincidence, I don't believe in that anymore, but at the time, coincidentally, we ran into an old pastor friend of my husband's. My husband was raised in church but had gotten away from church. And we, he invited us to come to church, and I felt a strange draw, Sean, to be there. 
Uh, we didn't go back right away, but we kept going back every now and again. And finally, we started going back more regularly. And I had had, this particular day we went to church, I had had a very, very bad day. I mean, everything crashed in, all in different places. And we went to church, and I, I literally, I have no idea what the pastor was preaching, but I just, I collapsed in my husband's lap and sobbed and said, right there in the pew, and I said, I said to God, look, if you are real, and if you really think that I can have the faith to believe, I want you to please help me because I cannot do this on my own. I want to believe in you. I want to have faith in you. I'm I'm, I'm going to do this, but I can't do this without you. And um, it was at that moment that I just turned my life over to Christ, and um, my life has never been the same. <laughs> That's awesome. That is an awesome story. It's a very compelling story. Um, I wonder if you'd be willing to um, – what do you most frequently encounter when you go to these different places all over the place? Now, obviously, you go uh, – you're invited to go. So right. um, these people kind of have an idea. The first thing I always ask is if a church or an organization – uh, or a college, oddly enough, I get asked to speak at, at secular colleges a fair amount. Um, I always ask them, have you ever listened to any of my messages or speeches? Because I'd really like you to know what you're getting into. Um, but but so I know, you know, you're, you're, you're getting invited there. So, of course, you know, they're going to have some idea. But what is the number one thing that you encounter when when you do these speeches all across the country? Or, or what are some of the things? I don't. You don't have to. You know, it's not statistics and all that stuff. But what do you? What do you think? Just off the top of your head, what's the thing you run into the most? I, I don't know if I understand what you mean by thing. Well, just people, kind of the place people are. You you encounter them, uh, and and uh, you know, I know kind of a little bit of a different audience. Church is a little bit different audience than maybe a a tea party group or or a citizens group uh, but a, a place that they are where they are uh emotionally where they are in their knowledge do you find that people know more than you think you thought they would know or or, or are you surprised that they don't well Sean the the thing is is that I'm teaching something that nobody else is teaching um, I I am teaching a history that has been intentionally hidden from us and, and forgotten for decades and showing how history always repeats, not by opinion, but by laying out the chronological facts as they happen and watching the people uh, recognize the similarities uh, in this repetition of history, not just simply as it repeats, but as it's happening today. And people are so amazed with the precision with which we are repeating history. And they're shocked at how uh, how much we knew before the formation of our uh, constitutional republic and how little we know now. I very rarely find people who understand the history uh, that I teach before I teach it. I have taught Supreme Court justices at the state level. 
I have taught um, men and women with master's degrees and PhDs in American history who have never, ever learned this history. And because it, it appears to be so unknown to the hearer, I, do, I am very careful and very cautious to make sure that I provide people with the documentation that goes along with this history. So someone can't simply just say, I'm making this up. And so every, every bit of information that I assert is backed by facts that can be looked up. And so the most, the, the most common thing that I find are people who are absolutely stunned at what, we, what I teach, uh, at the history and the clarity that it provides for us today. American history, people with degrees in American history don't know the truth, and you have to come teach them. That scares anybody that's listening that out there and your kids go to public school. And, and I don't want to throw too many rocks in my book. I do throw some rocks at public school education, but, but I'm very specific about it. It's very targeted. It's not mean-spirited. But that ought to scare a lot of parents out there, uh, not just of kids who are uh, kids who are in grade school or, or high school, but also college. Because these people teach our children, and they don't know. I mean, what in the world? How? Well, you, you know, know. Go ahead. The, 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 interest, the interesting thing is, Sean, is that there was um, there's a brilliant woman by, by the name of Charlotte Iserbit who was on the Reagan Education Council, and she did her research was uh, led her into understanding. Uh, some history about our educational system. And one of the most alarming things that she found was that the Marxists have been infiltrating, infiltrating our public education system, 1965. And, I mean, she has the documentation in a book that she's written called The Deliberate Dumbing Down of America. It's almost a 1,000 pages long. And um, you can actually download a uh, a brief version of it for free on the Internet if you just simply uh, put in your search engine, uh, Deliberate Dumbing Down of America, and uh, you can find it that way. You get it in PDF form. And so when we, when we keep in mind that the Marxists have been taking over our education system since 1865, and they started at the collegiate level, okay? So you train the people who are creating the textbooks and then you train the people to the textbooks. And so that's why even in our Christian school, our private school systems, our history is tainted because uh, the textbooks that are being used in, in almost all, all circumstances and the teachers who are being used in almost all circumstances have been taught in the government collegiate system. I, I've wanted to ask you for some time about school books. One okay. of the things you say in your in your books, and folks, she has a, a ton of books. Uh, she has a, Chris Ann has a, a, a website that's literally full of incredible information, and you have to check it out. Um, but one of the things that you talk about an awful lot is states' rights. 
you talk about how the power really uh really is is centered on the state it's in the mm-hmm. state we we focus so much on the big election um that we we lose sight of the state and and so much is being taken away from us at the state level so mm-hmm. What What is the average person, and I hate to use that term because I don't think there's as many average people out there as as, as we often often think, but um, because regular, I should say the regular person, workaday person, what can they do in their state? What can, what can they do? How can they get involved? What can they do to make some sort of impact? You know, it's... Uh... I think a lot of the frustration and uh, defeat that we feel in America uh, comes from the fact that we have tried to fix the government through the um, we have tried to fix the government through the federal government. Mm-hmm. That's not going to work. Uh, all of our power is local, and we somehow have become so defeated by uh, our our efforts in Washington, D.C., that we've given up altogether. But the bottom line is this. The uh, federal government is not the solution to our problem, and we have no power in the federal government. The truth of the matter is all our power is local, and we should ignore the federal government because nothing's going to change there at that level and start putting all of our efforts in our uh, school boards, co- county commission, city council, sheriff, uh, local level stuff, and state level, because that's where we have all our power. It, it takes a whole lot less time, a whole lot less effort to drive to your state capital than it does to Washington, D.C. And if you, if we really wanted to, with people actively involved in their state, we could create a rotating group of, of citizens to be in the state capitol every single week. And so we just simply, not everybody has to do everything all at once, but you get together as a team and you say, okay, these four people will will go up and visit someday this week, and these four people will go up and visit someday this week. And the only thing that's going to change is constant pressure. We can change our city council and our county commission by simply going to the meetings. Uh, We can go to their houses and knock on their doors. You know, I mean, that is the... That is the real power in local government, and that's how we are supposed to be taking control. Jefferson said in the Declaration of Independence that governments are instituted among men, deriving their just power from the consent of the governed. But when any form of government operates contrary to those means, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish them. Um, I've heard you say, and I say this a lot of times in my speeches, and I say it a lot on the radio, talking about, uh, listen, we're we're, we're not going to talk to the federal government and convince them that they should change their ways to do something different, to do something. Look, this is what the Constitution says. I'm sure, federal government, that you're just mistaken. How about you start doing what the Constitution says? Uh, we wait around as Christians, and I hate that we do this. We wait around as Christians, and maybe there's something on uh, constitutional marriage, uh, you know, man and a woman, uh, all the different things that you know are, are matter to us, and we wait for the uh, the Supreme Court of the land to issue an opinion 
and and we lobby them and we you know do all the things that we do and we expect them that they are going to change their ways they're somehow going to see the light and we pray as christians because that's what we do we pray as christians um we pray as Christians that God will change their heart. But I think what most people fail to realize is we're up against an evil, evil empire. And one of the examples, uh, and I, I say this, and people look at me like I have three heads. I know I'm, I know I'm overweight, but I'm not that overweight. They say, I say, let's look at the Bundy standoff, Clive and Bundy, uh, and the situation with the Bureau of Land Management. Uh, the the land grab, everybody points to um, Roosevelt, Teddy Roosevelt, and they say what a great guy he was. He created the national park system. Boy, isn't he great. When, in fact, he stole land from from citizens. He, he reappropriated uh, from, from law-abiding citizens their land. He took it from them. Right, right. And... <clears throat> In the Bundy situation, uh, we we have a uh, folks. We have a a uh, we share a friend, a great friend in Mark Herr, and my buddy Mark Herr, uh, he was there. He shot hours and hours and hours of video. He he was watching it all happen, and and he has the real deal on it. And I've watched the videos; it's absolutely compelling. But I tell people, why in the world do you want to go to Washington and tell them? what they're doing wrong, uh, first of all, most people don't know that what they're doing is absolutely unconstitutional. Uh, It's illegal in most cases. And uh, I I hate to say it, but most of their uh, um, legislation, we call them legislators, making up just silly, ridiculous laws, that we just we just submit to, and we we hear a, an opinion from the Supreme Court, and we submit to it. Well, that's the law of the land, so we've got to do that. Well, the Bureau of Land Management, uh, which quite frankly really should be, uh, they should be locked up. I mean, what they're doing is just egregious. And so I say to people, I say, listen, you know how that changed. You know what changed is a bunch of people went to the Bundy Ranch, went to this land, and they said, you know what? We ain't leaving. We're, we're not going to leave here. Uh, that this is, this is wrong. What you're doing is unconstitutional. And we're not going to stand for it. We're not going to stand for it. And all of these heavily armed, uh, you know, they had people from Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. I don't have any idea why. The BATF-E, uh, I guess now explosives, why they were there. Uh, we had armed people from the Bureau of Land Management there. We had all kinds of other federal agents there, helicopters. We had drones. We had, um, you know, uh, Nevada police and even people from the Nevada, uh, the Metro Police Department, SWAT teams, all these different things, snipers, you name it, were all there. And they backed down and they left. And and I said, sometimes we have to stand up to to the government to let them know there's more of us than there are of them. And people will say to me, Chrisanne, they will say to me, you are an you're you're you are a Christian. You're supposedly a pastor. You're supposedly a reverend doctor that is calling for anarchy. 
and I don't think I'm calling for anarchy at all. I'm calling for American people to stand up. I say this all the time. Facebook posts will not save this country. Twitter tweets will not save this country. It's just not going to happen. We, well, we you know, have to do more than that. Anarchy means uh, lawlessness, complete lawlessness. And what you're describing is the um, what you're describing is a government who has become lawless. Because remember, the supreme the uh, the Constitution is the supreme law of the land. And when the when the government fails to follow the Constitution, they they are the ones becoming lawless. We are simply trying to make uh, the government obey the law. We are not defying the law. They are. And when we stand like we did at Bundy Ranch, and when we go and we demand that the government follow the Constitution, and we say to the government, if you do not follow the Constitution, we will not follow you. What we're saying is, is we will not join the government in their lawlessness because we, we are going to enforce the law, and we are going to obey, obey the law. We can't let the government be lawless, uh, because then we are aiding and abetting their lawlessness. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me give you, because I know you have to, you have to, what time is it here? Oh, my goodness. Do you have to go? I think you have to go, do you not? Uh, I have about 15 more minutes. <laughs> oh, perfect, perfect. Well, I'm going to work you over while I have you. Um, the Let's say there's a situation where, hmm, let's do a good one. Let's do one that's absolutely implausible. Let's Let's say that you send your child to public school and you pack your child's lunch because you want to you know, you want to be the one that feeds your child even when they're away from the home. So you pack up a lunch. You you do this nice thing for your child. And let's say, I don't know, maybe you put in there uh, maybe some some grapes. You put in there some, some uh, little pieces of turkey for some protein. And then, you know, your child's a good child. They're really, they're, they're healthy. They're well. Uh, you make sure they get all their well visits. But you put in... I don't know, a brownie, maybe. Maybe you put a brownie in there. And one of the one of the teachers, the monitors in the lunchroom, walks around and they see a brownie and they notice, you know, this is a trend. That this kid brings in brownies all the time. You know, childhood obesity, it's a big thing. We've got to do something. It's for the kids. Of course, it's always for the kids. And so they bring the child in and they say, you know, your your mother is not sending you to school with with healthful items. They're they're not they're not taking care of you as as they should. So we're going to step in cuz we care about you. You mm-hmm. matter to us and it takes a village. So um we are going to we're just we're just going to take this away from you and we're going to talk to your we're going to talk to your parents that's what we're going to do because we care about you 
And so let's say Chris Ann Hall gets the ring, ring, ring. What does she do next? The school's <laughs> calling you to say, you know, we don't, we, we care about your child apparently more than you do. And so we're, we, and you know what? You owe us $5 because, because we wouldn't allow the child to eat that super unhealthy meal that you made for them. Uh, we, we had to give your child lunch. So you owe us for that, by the way. And, um, you know, we're going to send the child home if you, if you send the child <laughs> with this again. What do you do? <laughs> Uh, well, you know, this is a really big assumption because, number one, um, <laughs> I, I know you're careful on your show, but I'm not so careful. Uh, people oh. who follow my show know that. Well, uh, I'm not careful child... at all. <laughs> oh, okay. I was going to say people who follow my show know my child would never be in government school. So um, that 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 is, that is a situation that I don't think that I would ever have to face. But if I were uh, in that situation, I would be teach. I would be um, number one, pulling my child out of school, and then number two, uh, taking uh, that uh, and instructing that government school that yeah, yes, I am the parent and you are not. So it's my responsibility, not yours. And so I think that's the key to understanding is. We trade a lot of our liberty and a lot of our rights, Sean, by allowing the government to do things for us. And um, I don't think we live in such a great place, Sean. We have such school choice in America. Uh, We don't lack school choice in America, Sean. We we lack parental priorities. Oh, come on, girl. Preach it. We have Christian parents who think it's more important to live in a three-bedroom, two-bath house in an affluent neighborhood with two cars in the garage and flat screen TVs in every room, a cell phone in every hand, eating out several times a week and having a vacation every year, uh, more so than their biblical command to raise their child in the ways of God. And uh, then we try to look to government to teach God to our children, and government can't do that. It is physically impossible for government to teach God because to teach God teaches not to trust government. And government can't teach something that is contradictory to their existence. Government is teaching God says that God is their provider and not government. And so the interesting thing is, is we've lost this proper perspective, Sean. We somehow believe that people send their children to Christian schools to get an education and learn to love God. And then we get shocked when our, we send our kids to government schools and they learn to love government. Uh, because when whoever is teaching your child is who they're going to be taught to love, it's a matter of self uh, sustain, you know, self um, survival. Um, I, I knew that that example would get you because I know that your child will never darken the door of a government school. <laughs> I'm such a huge fan. I knew that would get you. Uh, a huge fan. Yeah, no, I, of, my people know that I've said that I will eat out of a dumpster before my child ever goes to a government school. <laughs> oh, amen, amen. I, I'm, I'm with you on that. Uh, let me say that um, the example that I've given, just, just so everybody knows, is real. It really happened. Now you might say, well, that's an isolated thing. I don't think. Uh, 
I don't think that that would happen more than once, but it's happened many times. Folks, do you realize that the government legislates how you receive, when you receive health care? And, and, and the Obamacare uh, debacle is controlling one-sixth of the economy, not just one-sixth of the economy, but they're, they're controlling how and what you receive as health care. They're making decisions for you on life and death. But but uh, the food czar, the, the, the one who is supposed to care better for your child than you are, um, is saying what your kids can eat. Now, the, the so-called Michelle Obama lunch has been rejected, uh, just, just soundly rejected in so many places. Say, look, these kids are not eating the food that we're putting in front of them. The food you tell us, the government is telling us to give our children, they don't want to eat it. Uh, they don't want to eat it because it's nasty, it's, it's not enough food. They, they're, uh, you know, two classes after lunch, they're hungry again, they can't focus, they can't concentrate, all of these different things. Um, but the government is, is telling you what you can put in your child's mouth. Well, they tell you, they tell you as an adult as well. Uh, New York City is a great example. You know, they have those signs. Every restaurant has to have it prominently posted. Uh, their rating, A through, I don't remember what the rating goes through, but A is obviously the best. And it's a big block letter so that all of us dumb, uh, one of my great listeners said, you know, the government is purposefully u- using the public education, the government education system, they are purposely dumbing us down. In Excellence Kill the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, I talk about that. I give examples. I know that you talk about it in your books and in your DVDs. And But it is so hard for people to click into that absolute reality that the government is trying to make you dumb so that you will do what they say to do. Uh, just like this whole argument with the Confederate flag, I, I'm I'm very disappointed to hear Nikki Haley uh, has conceded. She said, look, we're taking it down from the, from the public areas, from the state. You can hang it if you want. It's not illegal to hang uh, but uh, this, this Confederate flag. But, but we're going to take it down because it's a symbol of hate and racism and all these things. Uh, so, so if we allow, and what that has to do with the shooting in Charleston, South Carolina, in the church, which is egregious, just on its face, what does a flag have to do with that? And if they can tell you to take that flag down, what about if you're flying the Gadsden flag from your house? Yeah, well, and that's the whole point. A government that can tell you uh, what you can and cannot, and and South Carolina is saying, no, we're not going to tell you what you can and cannot fly, but that's what's next, and that's the sad part about it that we are going to be now left to a situation um, where the government is going to be telling us what we can and cannot do and the ways that we can and cannot do them. And flags don't make people kill people. Apparently guns, apparently guns make people kill people. No, if that were the case, then spoons people would make be people fat. Spoons, spoons yeah. should be outlawed. I've gained a few pounds, Chris Ann. Spoons should be outlawed. You know, in in England right now, and they're trying to legislate knives because so many people are killing people with knives. Yeah. But now they're saying there should be a limit. 
So apparently, yeah, spoons make people fat, cars make people drive drunk, um, and guns kill people. I don't know if you know. I, I've not seen it happen, but apparently it does. Apparently, guns just jump up and shoot people. Um, this kid was on Suboxone. I don't know if you've heard of that drug, but it's a brutal, brutal drug uh, that that one of the side effects is maniac behavior, mm-hmm. maniacal behavior. And, and so it's, uh, you know, it's just, um, I don't know. <laughs> one of our listeners uh, is uh, is in chat and he says uh, that he's he's got to go do a show, Radio Jihad Network, and he says he's going to throw away his fork for chopsticks, but you know what? Chopsticks can be sharpened, uh, and it can, and they can be used as weapons. But well, see, the, that's... the interesting thing is, there's there are they want to say that the that there's the common factor in all of these things is guns. No, the common factor in all these things are psychotropic drugs. Yeah. And so, if if these gun control advocates want to be consistent then why aren't they calling for a ban on these psychotropic drugs? Uh, And why aren't they calling for a monitoring of people and a registration of people who are on these psychotropic drugs? And because it's not about our children. It's not about stopping these crimes. It's not about finding the source of this anger. It's about controlling guns and controlling people. Because they know history dictates that the only way to control uh, people is to disarm them. Mm-hmm. So what happens, I mean, you look at a city uh, like Chicago. Chicago has extremely uh, brutal gun laws, just really, really brutal gun laws. Look at, well, i tell you what, let's go backwards a little bit. Let's go back a little bit. Let's go to Baltimore. It, Maryland has crazy gun laws. Uh, really, really asinine gun laws. And so looking at at Baltimore, Maryland, and and, and the <laughs> murders there, I think it's I think they're they were up to forty some murders uh since the riots ended. In and and thirty eight of them were in the district where the murders occurred. And the council person in charge of that was the husband of the attorney Mosley, state state attorney Mosley or Mosby, I'm sorry, who is now prosecuting these police officers involved in the Freddie Gray incident. And this is where it's coming from. Apparently these people think they know so much about guns and how violence happens, and they know so much about policing, and they know so much about saving people from poverty and lifting people up, but yet this is one of the most crime-ridden places, uh, not only in the state of Maryland, but also in the country, I think 57% of all of the people incarcerated in Maryland come from this district. And yet they know so much, but apparently all they need, Chris Ann, say it with me, more time and more money. More money. Well, not only that, is the same time of the Charleston, South Carolina shooting, uh, there were there was a shooting in Detroit. Uh, and a shooting in Philly. Now, we never heard about those shootings. We know nothing about those. They were the mass shootings. They were random shootings. And we didn't hear anything about those. Uh, there are, in any given moment, there is someone or multiple people being shot in Chicago. And we don't, those are not getting mass 
uh, media hysteria. And so uh, what what do we have to ask ourselves about, um, you know, the, the way our media is operating and the agenda of how things are working? Uh, what's interesting to me is nine people getting shot is a slow weekend in Chicago. Oh, absolutely. On 4th of July weekend, 72 people were shot in one weekend on 4th of July. Can you imagine? 72 you imagine? people. Why, why, why is that not all over the news? Well, uh, a couple of shows ago I did uh, a, uh, a show giving the data from the NCIC, which is the National Criminal Information Center, Crime Information Center, and using their data. And I can tell you uh, people were shocked. I got a lot of... You know, I talked about black on black crime, who's killing who. Let's face it, uh, it, it just we'll just say in, in the uh, city of Wilmington, Delaware, you know, one of the most violent places in the United States per capita. Uh, crime is totally and completely out of control. But in Wilmington, Delaware alone, they're always saying, you know, somebody's got to do something about all this crime. We have gun. We have gun programs. Turn in your gun. We'll give you a, a gift certificate for a hundred dollars. All this business, which never works. Uh, but the most dangerous place to be a black person in Wilmington, Delaware, is in the womb, because eighty-two percent of black babies never make it out of the womb alive. Yeah, yeah. And but there's that, an interesting. But that's never talked that about. Yeah. I, I hate to cut us off, but I got to run, man. No, you do your thing. Listen, folks. You need to know, uh, let me just tell them really quickly where you are tonight. Um, Culpsville, Pennsylvania, It's uh, your point of contact there is Mark Affleck or Al Zeller and Holiday Inn in Lansdale. Uh, you've, you can listen to this, dear lady, live, 7.30 to 9.30 p.m., Culpsville, uh, it's the Holiday in Lansdale. You've got to go. If you're in the Maryland, Delaware, Pennsylvania area, you have time to get there. Go and give this dear lady a listen. Listen, I look forward to having you on again, Chris Ann. Thank you so much for coming on, and uh, Godspeed. Godspeed. Thank you for what you do. Thank you, Sean. I just want to encourage everybody to, to, to come tonight because we have a lot of finger-pointing and a lot of complaining going on, and tonight I'm going to bring to you the solutions. Awesome. We love that. We love solutions on this show. Well, well, good on you, and get her done. Be safe, and we'll talk to you again very, very soon. Thank you, Sean. Have a great day. You too. Thank you for Got coming you. on. So, folks, there you have it. There you dadgum have it. You have, you have a person who is an expert uh, on this topic. She's telling you the truth. It's the footnoted truth. If you go to godandcountryradio.com, or you go. I'm sorry. Go to the ninjapastor.com. Go to uh, facebook.com um, backslash God and Country Radio. You are going to. Uh, you are absolutely going to see links there. Uh, get her done. Get on that. Um, that is a, a pretty darn cool thing. Now, folks. Uh, so many people commented. I, I apologize. I could not keep up with uh, just I simply could not keep up with all of the comments coming in. And I really, 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 I don't want you to think that you don't matter, that your comments don't matter, because I really, uh, they mean a lot to me. They absolutely mean a lot to me. It's very, very important, folks, um, 
for you to when you go over to facebook.com backslash God and Country Radio to click on sign up. Click on like while you're there, but click on sign up. It's just underneath my picture there, uh, over lower to the right at the top, the banner just below the cover photo. Click on sign up. Uh, that will take you exactly where you go to sign up on uh, this page. Also, some folks were saying, hey, we need more information, and I appreciate you sending that in. I did I did see that. Uh, we need more information on Sean Maloney's um, program, Second Call Defense. And, and I do have something. I'm going to play this for you um, because it contains all of that information. Um, and there are links also at theninjapastor.com. In fact, that's probably, you know what, that's probably the easiest thing for you to do is go and click on the Second Call Defense link at the Ninja Pastor, theninjapastor.com. Click on there. It'll take you just to the right place. If you put in Ninja, they're going to ask you how you heard about us. You put in uh, Ninja, you will uh, be given a month free. And that's pretty stellar. That that's that right there is a good deal. So um, I want you to I want you to to do that because if you own a gun, you know, look, there, Obama's trying. He's been trying so hard, both under the radar and over the radar, to take away our Second Amendment rights. Now that's not the only right that he wants to take away. But let me just tell you. Um, oh, you know what? I forgot to tell everybody. My goodness. I have big news. I forgot to tell everybody. Somebody just reminded me of it. Next Monday, on Monday's show, Deneen and Tom Borelli will be with us. They'll be our guests on next Monday's shows. Tom and Deneen Borelli. You know, you listen, you can't turn on Fox for 10 minutes without seeing Tom and Deneen, Deneen uh, Borelli. Great patriots. Really cool people. Um, she is a black female um, conservative, a black female conservative. You didn't think that could happen because uh, it's a war on blacks and it's a war on women. War on blacks, war on women, and the Republicans are doing that. Uh, and there certainly could never be a conservative. It's just not going to happen. Uh, it's just not going to happen. There's not going to be a conservative black person. It's just not going to happen. Um, but it's absolutely true. She she is a she's written uh, some great great stuff, and uh, I would encourage you next Monday. You have absolutely got to listen to that show. Uh, the the comments are pouring in on today's show, and um, I thank you for listening. It's it's a big deal to me that you take this time and you listen in. It really is a big deal. Um, it, it it doesn't escape me. I, I have 38,000 unread emails, and I know a lot of you send messages via email, which I think is wonderful that you do. I would say, if and I respond to everyone that I can, but if, if you really want me to respond, use the uh, at the Ninja Pastor, um, the ninjapastor.com. Uh, if you go to the contact me function there, that really is the best way to get a hold of me. The many of you uh, contacting me with your great stories and the things that have happened in your life. Uh, so, sometimes I get uh, contacted about how this show impacted you, uh, how it blessed you, how our Sunday messages. By the way, if you're listening to this 
you also uh, you also have available to you archive shows from Monday, absolutely, absolutely free to download. Share them, you know, take the link, share it with your social media and your friends. But you also have the capability to listen for free to our Sundays with Dr. Sean. Now, that's more of a um, – well, I don't think it's any kind of church that you've ever been to, but um, that's kind of how we deliver Scripture, and we we let you know what it means very simply – uh, bit by bit, it's fun. It's it's uh, sometimes a little bit silly, but it's awesome. We have a live audience there, uh, in you know, in with us in the facility, and then we also uh, have, I think we're up to almost thirteen, fourteen thousand. And one Sunday we had seventeen thousand listeners. Uh, but you can listen to those shows, and and this show. 400, I think last week was 455,000. But you know what? None of that matters. None of those numbers matter. That doesn't help us reach out because um, once this show is is financially able to stand on its own, we will uh, expand to three hours on Mondays. And then we're going to go to, once we're able to withstand that, we're probably going to do two hours a day, Monday through Friday. And then we'll do Sunday shows. So, but that stuff can't happen unless the uh, the infrastructure and the financial inf- infrastructure is there. So there's places on theninjapastor.com to contribute um, to donate to that uh, to what we're doing here. But you can you can download the shows or the uh, messages from Sunday for free, absolutely free. Um, and I think that um, I, I don't think I know. Uh, that kind of support and that kind of encouragement is, is powerful. But your notes, the things that you send to me, I tell you, uh, now I get death threats. I'm not going to kid you. I get death threats, and, and some of them are chuckly death threats. You know, they kind of make me laugh because they don't really know who they're dealing with. But but some of them are, are kind of scary. But I know better than to let the government know because you know what? If the government doesn't do anything about uh, Pamela Geller uh, being threatened with being raped, Anally, and then uh, by by hundreds of people, hundreds of of of, of jihadis, and then and then being beheaded. Oh, by the way, before they do that, they urinate on her. Um, if the government doesn't consider that uh, a threat and hate speech, I don't think they're going to care about me. By the way, we're still working on getting getting her on the show. We are also working on getting Ted Cruz on the show. So we'll have to let you know well well in advance. But but I want to thank you. I want to take uh, just a, a second and thank all of you who do what you do uh, to encourage me, to encourage my show, for the many, many researchers that get in it and get after it. I love you guys. I love getting with you on Mondays and Sundays. And share it with your friends. Click on subscribe and sign up. That's what makes a huge difference to me. God bless you. Join us next time for The Collision of Faith and Politics. And please follow this show at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash The Ninja Pastor. And follow Dr. Sean on Twitter at The Ninja Pastor and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash God in Country Radio and at www.drshawngreener.com In the meantime, 
Dr. Sean will be fighting for you and for this great country. Thank you for joining in this fight. <laughs>